four, three, two, one. We are live. Hey guys, uh, this is CS Joseph uh, with csjoseph.life because, like, for some reason, I always uh, do my introductions like that. And uh, let me get rid of my Microsoft Teams because I can. <laughs> so it's not showing up on the stream. Sorry, guys. I'll be more mindful of that in the future. Uh, I'll have to rely on my phone this time. So anyway, uh, we're uh, joined today by uh, Mr. Uh, John Brisson. John Brisson is an INTP, very close friend of mine. Uh, we're going to be talking about how uh, Jungian analytical psychology has been impacted by his life and how it's made a huge contribution to his life and people that he knows. But we're also going to be talking to him also about his work, which is... Uh, how would you describe your work, John, actually? Uh, naturopathic author and health coach. <laughs> Been doing it for about seven, eight years. So. How many clients um, have you How many clients have you helped, John? Tens of thousands at this point. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. And uh, you're published. Uh, do you have a third edition now? Or what edition are you at yes. right now? Thir third edition of Fixture Gun on Amazon, uh, Fixture Mitochondria, which is still going to beat your book, by the way. We'll see uh, about that. Hey, hey, we'll see about that. Like, we are racing your ass. I'm telling you right now. Like, I, okay, it is it is halfway written, okay? It is literally halfway, and it is coming. So <laughs> let's see who gets my, it out mine's first. Done. I just got to make sure the grammar is uh, right. Okay, okay. Um, we'll, we'll see, John. Uh, but, <laughs> we'll but, see. Yeah, so, um, but that, you know, that'll hopefully be out by the end of this year. Uh, oh, by the end of this year, oh, John, I hope to get mine out sooner than that, so uh, we'll hey, see. Hey, we're both at TP, so it uh, could be uh, a picture about a coming for about four or five years now, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, the thing is, is, we'll follow through with things if our heart's set on it. It's just, it's, it's in, our, in our own, it's on our timeline, not the timeline of other people's. So. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, that's, that's fair. Um, Oh, and hey guys, if for some reason we get drop frames, uh, we'll get the start the stream started up again. I've been having some issues with my modem. I have the replacement on my couch ready to switch, but it requires like a little bit of an outage, and I don't have time to do that, so I'm getting that handled. <laughs> so uh, we'll just uh, see that uh, where it is. Uh, and yes, I, I think we're still good because I don't see any I don't see any drop frames right now, so we're good to go. All right, cool, John. Uh, thank you for joining me tonight. Um, so, you, yeah, uh, I know you also got some additional work on the side as well, because uh, you're basically a researcher and you specialize uh, in researching. And it's funny, it's like, hey, I'm just going to go out there and debunk everyone's beliefs because I have TI Hero and I'm just going to verify everyone's beliefs for them and then tell them exactly like, hey, you know, you're wrong, but here's the correct way so that you can like have a better life and better health. Um, I... And guys, I have a personal I have a personal story with John here. I actually hired John at one point in time, and that's actually how we became friends initially. It's because I was having some digestive issues myself. Uh, I ended up getting an infection uh, uh, through a bacterial overgrowth uh, by a probiotic strain, known Enterococcus faecalis, or I or the however one pronounces it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't Enterococcus faecalis, but yes. Yeah, it, um, it's it's. Doctor here is probiotic. Probiotic. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a probiotic, but it, the bacterial strain became um, it became an overgrowth and started attacking my liver, and uh, I was looking at uh, you know potentially losing my letter uh, liver in January 2018, and that's actually when I decided like, hey, you know, I'm going to start this YouTube channel. 
I'm going to uh, put everything that I've been researching and, and in my head in terms of psychology uh, out and available to the public because like if I die, uh, those 10 years of hard work are going to go to waste and I didn't want that to happen. So it's like, hey, how about I just download my brain or upload my brain uh, content to the internet? And quite frankly, folks, uh, you know, John is one of the reasons why I'm still alive today and uh, been able to keep moving forward as a result. Uh, he's also uh, done, I've also seen him do extraordinary work with other people who had lesions, like brain lesions. Uh, and uh, making those brain lesions going away because doctors, for some reason, it's like they had this point of view where it's like, oh, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we don't know what it is. Uh, we're going to assume multiple sclerosis, which they couldn't even we don't, verify. We don't know what the cause of Devic syndrome is, or we don't know the cause of MS. So yeah. there's nothing we can really do about it other than give you anti-biological agents, handicap your own immune system, and reduce some inflammation for some time, and those lesions may or may not go away. You may or may not be able to survive a couple more years, but... That's the best you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, we got Italio in the chat today uh, reminding us of... Uh... <laughs> oh, never mind. Uh, anyway, uh, so it's true. They just they had no idea what was causing it. And, you know, through, through research, John, I, I believe uh, you're able to pinpoint uh, varicella virus breaking through the blood-brain barrier as H4 a result. H4I. Yeah. H. pylori as well. Yeah, H. pylori. And, uh, you know, those two, uh, between the virus and bacteria, breaking the blood-brain barrier and causing the lesions, instead we uh, adjusted the diet of the patient. And uh, we also, uh, uh, I think we also, like, got them on liposomal lysine as well. And then the symptoms subsided and uh, the lesions, Ly like, disappeared. Ly lysine, zinc carnosine, dietary changes, uh, because viruses, herpes veridae viruses like Epstein-Barr, Varicella, cytomegalovirus, all function on arginine because it requires nitrous oxide uh, for, for, for functioning and for, for viral replication. So lysine inhibits that. You know, if you take more lysine in, you dump arginine. But you do need some arginine, of course, for uh, the same nitrous oxide production, the amino acid L-arginine, and for vasodilation. Um, but, you know, it's kind of the start of the virus and the hope that they, they failure to replicate. Um, you see many... Uh, uh, cold sore medications, which is herpes simplex one, uh, they'll, they'll, a lot of the um, topical uh, applications, a lot of the chapsticks will contain uh, lysine, um, which will also attack uh, the herpes veridae virus, um, herpes simplex one, directly from that. So um, yeah, I mean it's as simple as that. You know, most doctors take the autoimmune conditions. There's nothing that really can be done other than uh, prolongation of life, as far as. Um, taking biological agents, taking corticosteroids, uh, taking medications to hinder the immune system so the immune system doesn't attack itself, uh, which most of the time, uh, most doctors should realize that the body's immune system would not just decide to wake up one morning and attack itself one day. There has to be some genetical reasons, some epigenetical reason, some microbiome or path pathogen region, some environmental or lifestyle region, uh, or, re or not region, reason should I say, uh, of, of all that happening. So people, you know, it's multiple sclerosis seems to be tied in with um, mitochondrial dysfunction. Dr. Terry Walls, who's an MD, she walked the Walls protocol. She had MS. She went from being in a wheelchair to completely being um, in complete remission, walking and functioning and being um, in good health as an adult um, and going around and teaching her protocol of increasing mitochondrial function as a way to overcome MS. 
on MSB linked to H. pylori and these herpes veridae reactivations too as well. Tackling both of those, people with MS can hopefully recover. Now, now there are a few genetical-based uh, autoimmune conditions like cystic fibrosis where the body has an incapability of breaking down mucus properly. That may be you know, separate than a lot of these autoimmune conditions like IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, be causing, uh, be caused by MAP, mycobacterium avian paratuberculosis, which is found in ruminant animal products, um, and ruminant animal meat, ruminant animal dairy. So people with those conditions need to, to, to stop ingesting those, um, as well as doing other things to improve their microbiome. But again, the body does not just decide to attack itself. And people with IBD, the body does not just decide all of a sudden to start attacking the colon uh, and ulcerative colitis or attacking the whole body in Crohn's disease, uh, which they're both caused by that single bacteria, ulcerative colitis being um, being localized to the colon mainly and, and, and Crohn's disease being a uh, uh, systemic throughout the whole body manifestation of that of that bacterial. Um, so that's the thing is, is, is Doctors are very good, and I'm not anti-conventional medicine. Um, just like I'm not pro everything on natural medicine, I guess my my my, my logic being an INTP, uh, I you know there's a lot of snake oil on both sides. For example, natural medicine is not going to save my life when I get in a car accident and almost bleed to death. Uh, surgery is needed, medications are needed. Now it may help facilitate my recovery, um, but it's not going to save my life. As well as Conventional medicine is it gonna has a very good track record with cancer. It doesn't have a very good track record with chronic diseases like heart disease and heart failure, and it doesn't have a good or diabetes. It doesn't have a good track record with autoimmune conditions. Fair enough. Uh, uh, it, it's true. I mean, the, the the allopaths don't exactly have all the answers, and it's about time some of the doctors coming out of med school are starting to realize that their sciences and medical school medical school itself is based off of science from the 1970s. It's now 50 years later, and I think it would behoove a lot of the doctors out there to actually take the time to, uh, to you know, and I mean, like, I'm speaking out doctors in general, right? So, if, like, if you're a doctor watching this and you're getting upset, like, seriously, hold up. Because, like, what percentage of doctors out there, you know, they have their continuing education credits, and which ones of them are even bothering to read studies that are current on PubMed? You know what I'm saying? So, uh, with that being said... Uh, I just want to let the audience know we are going to be asking uh, some questions or answering questions as well uh, throughout this. Uh, so, and and actually, from the looks of it, John, we actually have uh, some questions okay. already. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, so uh, uh, Mila Belliful is asking, did this happen at a time when you were overstressed? And she's talking about the uh, the specific uh, lesions with the particular person we we're talking about. And the answer to that question is yes. Their circadian rhythm was absolutely destroyed because they were basically working night shift for uh, 10 to 12 hour shifts at a time. Uh, it's extremely, you know, stressful for people working night shift that late. Uh, they were a uh, they were a nurse, and it was uh, very difficult for them uh, to, you know, maintain that lifestyle. And it just made uh, their blood brain barrier open as a result of a lack of uh, problems involving their circadian rhythm. John, could you expound on that a little bit more? Yeah, um, third shift workers, um, and we do need third shift workers in our modern civilization. I'm not saying that we should do away do away with them just because it is detrimental to their health. There's certain things that they can do to kind of offset that um, and, and everything. But yes, there are multiple studies to show that third shift workers, especially nurses, have higher rates of cancer. Um, and that may be because they produce less of the um, neuro, uh, the hormone and, and, and uh, 
melatonin. Um, and, and, and so melatonin is produced and it is, it, it, it's methylated serotonin pretty much. So when circadian rhythm, we, circadian rhythm is about the 24.5 hour curve that your body goes through um, that certain processes like your, your digestion, um, your detoxification, your hormone production, uh, when certain neurotransmitters are expressed, when certain hormones are expressed, when they're expressed less, when they're expressed more, that's what circadian rhythm is. Now, our body does have its own innate circadian rhythm, meaning that separate from, like if I put, let's say we lock chase in a cave in the dark. Great. For two, for, for two months, okay? You would have some biological sense of time and when to go to sleep, even if you never saw the sun. It, it is encoded in us, but there are external influences to that that can affect how well our circadian rhythm functions and how well certain hormones and certain neurotransmitters are produced. They're called um, Zetgeivers, okay? So during the day, you're supposed to go outside and get sun, you know, within reason. You don't want to get sunburned, you know, that can lead to skin cancer. But however, a lack of sun through lack of vitamin D production can also lead to skin cancer as well. Their studies have shown that skin cancer actually increases the farther you are away from the equator, which is opposite of what dermatologists have been telling you for years, that you should fear the sun, you should lather sunscreen on you like crazy. The sun is the cause of skin cancer, the primary cause of skin cancer. And it can be a cause of skin cancer when you it's not, you know, you lack omega-3 fatty acids in your diet um, to help prevent against photooxidation. When you get too much sunlight and you get burnt, which is um, oxidative stress, you know, that can lead to cancer. Um, but sun is very important. It does it does many things. It sets our circadian rhythm through exposure of melanopsin and the retinas of our eyes that are activated through light. So when you wake up in the morning, okay, cortisol is increased through that curve, that circadian rhythm that we talked about to get you up. And your body's supposed to be producing, um, among uh, multiple things for waking up, two important neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine. And those happen when your eye, your retina is exposed to primarily blue light. Okay, and blue light comes, you know, primarily from the sun. The sun contains a full spectrum of light. That's what the sun is. Um, so it's very important in the morning to set your circadian rhythm to get sun in your face, to get sun in your eyes, to let your body know, okay, it's time for me to start producing serotonin for alertness. Right. It's time for me to start producing um, um, other, you know, dopamine as well for alertness, uh, epinephrine for alertness. You know, so it's supposed to wake up. So during that day. You're supposed to get sun and you're supposed to, you know, your sun's supposed to also during the summer, depending on where you live on the equator, UVB is supposed to produce vitamin D on the skin. So through that, you're supposed, at night, you're supposed to sleep in total darkness, okay? Because melatonin, it, is, it can be produced when light, when you see light, but less and less of it is produced when blue light is entering the retina, all right? So it because so that serotonin cannot be methylated into melatonin. And melatonin is one of the strongest, as a hormone, one of the strongest antioxidants that our body, even our mitochondria, the powerhouses of the cell, would drive our cells, produce melatonin. Okay, so melatonin is crucial in, in reducing oxidative stress, crucial for longevity, crucial for its anti-cancer properties and its anti-inflammatory properties, as well as it lets our body rest and recover. Okay, so it's, you know, so you want to sleep in darkness as much as you possibly can. Someone working third shift, they can't do that. And even that circadian rhythm I talked about earlier, 
even though you know you're going to sleep during the day, even in darkness, even if you got blackout curtains and you're sleeping during the day in darkness, you will produce some melatonin. But again, remember when I said the circadian rhythm is innate within our clock, within our SCN, within our brain, that you're still going to produce less than the person who goes to bed at night in darkness. And also you might be saying, well, you know, what about artificial light, our phones? Our phones, unless you have a device on them, uh, an app on them called Twilight or something to block the blue light at night, when you have your phone on at night, it's the only light in your room. It is the color temperature of it is about 6,000 degrees Kelvin. So it's almost like staring at the sun, granted not the intensity, you're not blinding yourself, okay? But there have been story, st stories of, chi uh, of, of Chinese people who um, you'll, you'll see some, or I don't think I've ever seen any st st stories of America people doing, of people just sitting in dark rooms and staring at their phones for hours and end up dying from them. That could be because of the oxidative stress from the excessive blue light exposure directly into their face. So it, it, circadian rhythm is important. I talk about it, Jack Cruz talks about it, I've written a lot about it on our blog. Sunlight exposure is important and sleeping in dark is important. Eating during the day is important and not eating when it's dark outside because the liver starts to shrink at night per circadian rhythm. So you don't want to make it increase in volume to produce bile to release for digestion. Those things are pertinent for people to improve their, their, their overall health, their overall lives, as well as to combat stress too as well. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, so, I mean, it's nice to know, like, just how important circadian rhythm is, you know, from, like, a health standpoint. And, uh, like, it's, a lot of people don't understand, like, the negative impacts of that. Uh, but let's, but let's go to a different question uh, from an audience member. Uh, Taj Marie says, I see that probiotics are mentioned in the description of the book, Fix Your Gut. How many strains do you recommend having a supplement, uh, specifically? I don't recommend really the amount of strains, it's the type of strains. The specific strains that are in certain probiotics who have been uh, shown to have clinical efficacy compared to other strains. A good example of that is uh, um, uh, the strain that's in uh, BioGaia speci specifically of, of Lactobacillus ruditeri or um, Lactobacillus plantarum uh, in Jaro's probiotic 299V. It's more about specific strains within probiotics of themselves. Probiotics, first of all, should be treated as medicine. Um, they should not be treated lightly. There are many people who I've coached who have messed, Chase, you talked about it earlier, taking a supplement that you think is a probiotic and then turns out to not be, and it causes great damage. Right. Um, and it, you know, people with histamine issues, if you go take uh, a supplement, like even I mentioned BioGuy earlier, if you go take Lactobacillus ruditeri, Lactobacillus ruditeri produces histamine. So a person who might have, you know, occasional allergies, maybe a little bit of asthma beforehand, they go take BioGaia because they want to feel better or they go eat fermented foods, which usually have a lot of histamine producing strains in them and they're trying to get healthy. And then all of a sudden their little bit of runny nose or maybe the little bit of asthma progresses to anaphylactic shock as bad as breaking wow. out hives, you know? So you gotta be very careful when you're using probiotics. You gotta be very knowledgeable. And usually people with the occasional digestive discomfort, they go eat fermented foods and they go eat probiotics, they do relatively well. It's very rare that the person progresses into an advanced state. People with pre-existing health issues beforehand and they go try probiotics or they go eating fermented foods, majority of time, 
It does not go very well uh, for them. It can. Some people have taken probiotics. I recommend Gut Pro, for example. I recommend many different, you know, also like BioGaia, depending on the situation, or Culturel, depending on the situation, as Lactobacillus, um, Rhamnosus GG. Um, it just depends. It depends on a person's state of person's immune system, what they're dealing with, of whether or not they should take a multiple strain probiotic like Gut Pro, which has no histamine producing strains or no lactate producing strains, or they should go with individual strains. Um, it just depends on a per the state of a person's health. Fair enough. Um, okay, I just I remember, guys, uh, this is John Brisson from FixYourGut.com, uh, uh, an autodidact uh, who has become an expert in uh, microbiology, uh, gut health, and the like, and we're just uh, asking him health-related questions this evening. Just please know he is an INTP. Yeah, he talks super fast for an INTV. He's not as chill as most INTVs is because he's cognitive transitioned into a supporter ESFJ side because he's trying to help as many people as he can uh, through his FE inferior. Uh, so that's why he has his uh, starter interaction style of informative initiating movement. This is an actual example right before your eyes of a cognitive transitioned INTP. Although some people in the YouTube chat disagree with you being an INTP, apparently, uh, John. I am an INTP. I as I <laughs> I am 100% the embodiment of an INTP. Um, I'm very logical. When I look at the BBC version of Sherlock Holmes, I feel his pain. I feel Sheldon Cooper's pain, even though I think Sheldon Cooper's a poor representation of INTP as a man child, in my opinion. Um, but yes, I Fair am enough. an INTP out of every not Chase. Chase. You know, it wasn't like you, you're an INTP, John, you're going to be this. No, I've done a lot of research. I am an INTP. And yes, I am ESFJ right now because I want to help people. I, I know what it is to be ill. I lost both my parents when I was young. My mom is systemic lupus when I was seven. My father to hepatitis C when I was 18. I also lost a son as well to health issues. And I had my own health issues. I was three months premature. I've been sick, you know, off and on my whole life. I'm in good health now, but I wasn't previously before. And that's what started me to do fix your gut was because I was sick. I developed silent reflux and gut issues. So I, I know what it I know what it means to be ill. So that's why I shifted to my supporter side because it is the true ideal of what I want to be. I just want to help people. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have an ESTJ in the crowd, uh, Lev. Uh, he asks, how strict should we be with our circadian rhythm? Can we be off by an hour once in a while when it comes to an eating sleep schedule? Yes. I, I don't. I'm not Jack Cruz, and I expect everybody to, to, to fly to live down close to the equator as they possibly can, and forsake all their family, forsake all their life, and get sun and be in the beach all the time and eat seafood 24/7. No, I'm not saying that at all. I don't do that. I mean, it's not that I'm I mean, not going to try that, John, because I'm going to try. If you, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but okay. So it's it's about doing it as much as you can. That's the most important thing about life, making lifestyle changes when it comes to health. You try to do it completely well i'm going to live completely perfect this way you're more than likely gonna fail um so it's about trying to get on a circadian rhythm and maintaining it the best you possibly can you know sometimes you get home late from work or a meeting and you have to eat a little bit past dark sometimes it might be best to fast but if you can't eat if you want to go out with your friends let's say or let's say it's your anniversary with a loved one you want to celebrate and you want to eat at night Sure. Or let's say you stay up to two o'clock in the morning. It happens. Life happens. But it's about doing your best to try to make those changes because we live in a modern world. We live in a modern world. And I'm not saying people should force, force, for, forsake modern comforts or, you know, go live out in, in the wilderness or anything like that. But it's about doing what you can 
and doing it as often as you can within reason to improve your health. Because if you're doing that, you're doing more than majority of the people on this planet. Uh, that's more than fair. Uh, Dolph Dervish from the audience. Uh, what's, what's up? Were you live streaming right now? Yeah. It's all good. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, one second. Uh, thank you guys for your uh, patience. Rogan needs uh, some assistance here. You're good. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so Dolph Dervish, uh, Mr. John. Uh, Dolph Dervish, uh, one of my, uh, a as Dolph Dervish uh, corrected me earlier today, saying that they're one of my biggest advocates, uh, even though I've also considered Dolph Dervish one of my biggest critics, uh, uh, they ask. Uh, they ask you, John. What's uh, what's your position on caffeine? Uh, coffee in particular. I think it's a great question. I have a controversial. Uh, okay, so okay. I look at caffeine as the world's most used uh, psychoactive drug. The world's now, most psychoactive drug, really? Yeah, it is. Look it up. Look it up. It technically is. So does that mean that it does? That, okay. So okay. So caffeine has merits within reason. Yes, it does. Does caffeine have drawbacks? Yes, it does. Does it depend on a person's health? You know, if you're struggling, you have adrenal issues, thyroid issues, you know, you're, you're, you, caffeine may be too stimulating. It may be your enemy. If you're high functioning, if you're in good health, you want the occasional tea, you want the occasional cup of coffee, drink a cup of coffee, uh, you know, once or twice a day, uh, you drink a green tea every so often, then yes. Or you eat dark chocolate, which dark chocolate contains, contains more theobromine than it does caffeine. Um, th then yes. you. you that is, it's fine, and it has benefits. You know, caffeine does increase mitochondrial function. It does increase a cognition and alertness. It does help express bile and helps uh, con uh, improve the migrating motor complex. That's why many people, uh, after consuming their coffee, have to take their morning constitution, similar to the morning cigarette, because nicotine does the same thing as well. Um, so I'm not necessarily against caffeine. Now, I myself, the only caffeine I ingest is what little I get when I drink green tea or tea which is once in a blue moon and when, and when i eat dark chocolate um but you know i'm not anti-caffeine i just think it comes it depends on a person's health it depends on a person's health it depends on how sensitive they are to caffeine um there's a specific uh, uh cytochrome uh with caffeine um of whether or not you're able to uh, uh metabolize it um correctly um, it is uh, CYP1A2. Um, so people who have had their 23andMe test done, they can run it through Livewalio and see if they come with any polymorphisms uh, with that cytochrome. So that is a cytochrome that metabolizes through the P450 pathway, caffeine in the liver. I'm a fast metabolizer, which means I have less side effects when I um, consume caffeine. It doesn't activate my sympathetic nervous system as much. It doesn't produce adrenaline as much. It doesn't produce cortisol as much. Um, so it's less likely to cause arrhythmia or heart issues or anxiety with me. Where someone who's a slow metabolizer of caffeine who has a homozygous polymorphism um, in, in, in the CYP1A2 um, uh, gene that encromes that enzyme, they encodes that enzyme. They may not tolerate caffeine as much. So that's another way you can gauge whether or not you've had genetic testing, whether or not you can tolerate caffeine or not. If you're a slow metabolizer, you might want to cut back on your consumption on caffeine. If caffeine makes you feel anxious or gives you palpitations, you might want to cut back. 
Um, but other than that, I, the caffeine does have health benefits compared to other, um, quote unquote, drugs. Like metabolism, um, like increasing your metabolism, right? Yes, uh, increasing cognitive alert function. It does have a positive effect on digestion and bile production. Um, so it, it does have its place. What's that acid again? Um, Oleic acid? Or what do you mean? Uh, the acid that stimulates bile production that, that you, that's in olive oil, but it's also with caffeine as well. Well, the, no, the, the, the acid that would do it in, in caffeine is uh, caffeinic acid. Um, oh, oleic enough. acid is, is not in caffeine. In, I don't think it is. I'd have to it's look It's in coffee, up. though. I think it is. It's in olive oil. It's in coffee. Right, right. I don't think it's in coffee in large amounts. It is. I, I, I've always, it could be uh, the, the caffeine thing and whatnot. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but anyway, there's, there's a whole bunch more questions coming in. Um, Lev and Nola J ask uh, two different questions. They're kind of related. So Lev asks, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? If you do it, what is your style and why? And then what is John's opinion on the keto diet? So I guess kind of like put them all together if you can. Okay. So, um, I am a fan of intermittent fasting. I am a fan of ketosis. That being said, however, they have their positives and their negatives. They have their, their positives. And their, so, so if you're relatively good health and your adrenals are functioning well, your thyroid's functioning well, then you might be able to tolerate intermittent fasting better. You might be able to tolerate, and it, some of us, you know, it, it depends. Like if, if, if you fast between 6 p.m. and 10 a.m., which would be per circadian rhythm, right. okay? But technically is intermittent fasting. Right. So, that's fine. That shouldn't really have an effect on cortisol increase, which fasting does. Fasting increases cortisol and increases adrenaline production. Um, it it, it um, increases um, sex hormone binding globulin over a long period of time. Fasting can actually reduce sex hormones. Intermittent fasting, eating less carbs, that may be beneficial. Now, I look at ketogenic diet or ketosis like a true ketosis. I think all diets have pros and all diets have cons. I myself like the perfect health diet, which is a low to moderate carbohydrate diet. You eat about 100 to 150 grams of carbohydrates a day. Is it optimal for everyone? No. Someone who is dealing with uh, cancer, uh, that, 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 that the cancerous cells prefer glucose, or someone who is dealing with seizures who needs a medical ketogenic diet, or someone who's losing weight who, needs a, who uses a ketogenic diet, perfect health diet is not going to work for them. Um, however, People with adrenal issues, thyroid issues, people with um, compromised immune systems, you know, like let's say they're dealing with a lot of dysbiosis, a lot of oxidative stress. So every time they try to fast, they have widely fluctuating blood glucose levels and they pump out cortisol and it makes them feel anxious and they feel horrible. And the adrenaline makes them feel good for a while because adrenaline makes you feel good. Everything's sharper, you're able to concentrate more, you're able to function on a higher level, but it all comes at a cost. So for those people, ketosis and intermittent fasting might be the worst thing in the world, especially if someone's suffering from hypothyroidism, because it will make their hypothyroidism worse and there's a thyroid hormone production. So it all depends on the individual. Diet is, so, is one of the few things where it's extremely subjective, extremely subjective. It depends on the individual person. Um, and now I do think there are some extremes. Carnivorism though has helped some people I do think it is a very uh, extreme diet and a very limited diet, similar with fruitarianism on that side. Um, and so, or even, even veganism. I, I think that, you know, those diets are, all, all those diets within that whole range, 
they're better than the standard American diet. Okay, when you're eating tons of junk food and eating McDonald's every night and feeding your family KFC and Pizza Hut and drinking Red Bulls and gallons of soda, you know, so that's an issue. You know, even even a vegan diet or a carnivore diet is going to be better than the standard American diet. Me and Jason Hooper have done podcasts on my Fix Your Gut YouTube channel talking about diets. Okay, so diet is subjective. Most of these range of diets that I've discussed are better than the standard American diet. But for most people, either, you know, reduction of carbohydrates, eating meat, unless you have an ethical re uh, a reason for that or a spiritual reason for that, eating uh, grass-fed meat, eating wild meat, eating wild-caught fish, uh, low-mercury fish like salmon, cod, flounder, eating a lot of vegetables, preferably in season, eating some local fruits, hopefully low-fructose fruits like berries, you know, those are a diet like the perfect health diet which is pretty much what i'm describing is the diet for what i recommend for most people but it may not be the perfect diet for everyone because diet is subjective fair enough uh i i appreciate uh that mini dissertation on diet uh i uh, i have an, another question here um and we're going to relate it to psychology at this point um, so Lynn L8888 uh, says, INFJ nurse here. It's very hard for me to eat only when it's light out, and I rely on caffeine energy drinks to focus at work. Very high paced. I'm also a night owl. Is there any hope for me? Now, before you answer, John, uh, I would like to point out, you know, like, so this is like a consistent pattern that I see with INJs. Uh, if they... Uh, if they live alone, for example, or if they uh, if they if they don't have like a, like a a sexual partner of some kind or have children and whatnot, it seems that they just let their body clock go. You know, just kind of like one person lets their body go, but they let their body clock go in, entirely. And it's just like, eh, I'll get to bed whenever I want to go to bed, which is typically never because I guarantee you, if an INJ could stay up forever, they would because that NI hero is like. Why do I have to yep. go to bed? I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So do you do you think that potentially over time through epigenetic uh, adaptation for INJ bodies, uh, people who are INJs psychologically, as as they uh, as their mind just kind of forces them to not really pay as much attention to their sleep, do you think they're more adaptable to having a circadian rhythm that's not exactly like everybody else? Or are they just more, or are they just more prone to more health problems, like the statistics say they are through introverted sensing demon? What do you think, John? I, I mean, I, I my wife is an INFJ. Uh, she would never go to sleep if she could, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not allowed to go to sleep when she's awake. Um, so you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it's, so it's, true. It's, it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that. So. I do believe in Lamarckianism. It's being proven now more with uh, people developing bone spurs behind their ears from cell phones as a way of kind of protecting the brain stem from radiation. You know, a little bit different from um, uh, uh, um, the origin of species, Darwin's form of evolution, that we can uh, have these polymorphisms and changes within a generation or two. Um, that being said, circadian rhythm has been entrained through our genes and our biological makeup since humans have been around. Right. A little hard to change that completely in a generation or two, or let alone in a person's lifestyle. So, could you know, could 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 she hack that? Yeah, you can. You're still going to have a cost of your of, of your biological function over time. 
uh, sleeping in total darkness when you can, um, supplementing with magnesium malate and trying to reduce the amount of, of caffeine. You know, magnesium will help reduce the cortisol levels, help blunt against that, will also help with anxiety, um, and also help get the malate will increase mitochondrial function, which will give you energy. Uh, getting sunlight, proper sunlight exposure for vitamin D will help with energy production. Because um, there is a bioelectrical effect uh, that science has not completely glommed on to that we do get some energy from the sun. Now, I'm no breathitarian. You can't do it by sun alone um, or breathing in air. Uh, but it, you do get some energy transfer from sunlight exposure uh, to your mitochondria through the photoelectric effect. Um, so there are some things that you can do to offshoot that. Um, you know, being a night owl. Now, I myself, I am a night owl too. I had to work on that. And it's not easy because as an INTP, I can get apathetic. But I had to for two reasons. Oh, one, I wow. want to be healthy. And two, I, well, three things. One, I want to be healthy. Two, I need to practice what I preach, um, which I'm still working on. Losing weight, I've gone from 270 down to 175. I got about another 15 pounds to lose. And three, because I wanted to be healthy for my children and be around for my family. And so that is one of the biggest motivators for an INFJ is you have to do it for the people that love you. You right. have to do it for the people that care about you or you're not going to do it. If it's just yourself, it's a very hard way to motivate you. Now, if you're saying, well, as in, let's say you're alone, okay, you're a you're, you're nurse, you live by yourself, your patients still depend on you. The hospital depends on you. You have people that depend on you, and they need you to be healthy so that you can help other people. But then again, I'm just taking your words. Your words are going through my mouth, Chase, because I'm pretty sure that's along the lines that you would say, I would assume. Uh, so, yeah, but, you know, there are, like I mentioned, you know, getting sub when you can, ground when you can, which is putting your bare feet on the ground or hugging a tree, uh, you know, as, as crazy as that sounds. Um, and there are studies of that. There are studies of grounding, increasing, heart, uh, improving heart rate variability, um, and, and the NASA NASA astronauts uh, working with heart rate variability too, as well. So, you know, those are things that you can do. Work on your circadian rhythm when you can. Work on your diet when you can. Doing those things will improve your health, and they will offset you if you are a night owl. They will offset you if you do work third shift. But still, know that working third shift does come at a biological cost, no matter what you do to correct that. Yeah, and, and it's often funny that those people are the ones that end up getting paid the least. Uh, it's it's really really funny, you know. The rich get richer, and the poor get poorer, and that includes health as well. That includes fitness, um, and uh, it's just kind of it just kind of boggles my mind that that's just how it goes, you know. But I mean, healthcare is no different. I mean, the the, the more tenured uh, nurses get to have day shift, you know, while the newer nurses get to have night shift, for example. It's just all part of the game, but. Anyway, I think that was a really good question. Um, yes. So, uh, trying to find more uh, type-related questions because I we got questions from uh, do fecal transplants work? Uh, uh, and if you have C diff, yes. All other conditions, it's up for debate. I you're you're looking at ten thousand bucks for for a fecal transplant from Taymount Clinic. So. C diff, there's a lot of great research for that. If you have other gut issues or health issues. I've coached many people who have wasted ten grand before they talk to me. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so, uh, 
Lev also asks, what do you think of Dr. Rhonda Patrick's work? As she occasionally goes on the Joe Rogan's podcast, just for context. Uh, do you know who that is? She I, triggers me. Triggers she you. She doesn't understand digestion so, at all. When she was on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about SIBO, I was begging my – or she doesn't understand magnesium either. She's like, well, magnesium oxide. I mean, she doesn't understand the different chelations with magnesium and how they're absorbed. Like, like I'm not a fan of Rhonda Patrick. I'm just not. All right. I'll be honest. I'm not a fan. Um, I think that she gets a lot of things wrong. Um, and, you know, Joe Rogan, is, is, is she's the establishment's uh, doctor to promote the, you know, the kind of little bit of, hey, look at this natural health over here, but it's still the establishment's form of natural health. Um, so I am not a fan of Rhonda Patrick. I'm sorry. I'm just not. It's, um, I mean, did, did, is she better? Is she going to get better advice? than your average, um, uh, you know, doctor. Um, most of them, yeah, I've met some really good doctors, you know, so that's not, not always necessarily true. Um, but it, 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 when it comes to gut stuff, no. When it comes to diet and exercise, Rhonda Patrick, <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. You know, supplement recommendations to some degree, yeah. Uh, but when it comes to gut health, no. When she, she could barely explain small intestinal bacterial overgrowth syndrome and was giving out wrong information about it, not really understanding hydrogen-producing bacteria and methane-producing archaea and hydrogen sulfide-producing bacteria, and, and it's it just her gut, her her gastrointestinal knowledge, and microbiome knowledge, not so much. Wow, I wonder what uh, type she is at this she is point. <laughs> wonder what type she is. You know, okay. I, I another question. So, Anthony William, known as the medical medium, who is an ENFP, by the way. So he's like literally. David Asprey from Bulletproof or um, Alex Jones from InfoWars, right? Uh, total ENFP. Um, uh, Joseph Smith from the Mormon Church, for example. This guy uh, is Anthony William. Uh, everyone keeps saying, you know, his cellular juice recommendations are pretty top notch. Um, I've actually tried it to some success myself. Uh, but then. Uh, uh, it's funny to me because I look into more and more research, reading more and more health books. I'm, on, I'm reading my 36th uh, health and fitness nutrition book right now, uh, and it's uh, Turn Up the Heat by Dr. Phil Golia, who I believe is an INTJ, actually, um, uh, you know, with that standpoint. Like, uh, what's your opinion of the medical medium, this ENFP? Um, oh, now, now this is kind of controversial. People are going to hate me because I hate on Robert Patrick. People are going to hate me because I hate on Anthony Williams. Okay. okay. The medical medium, the health guru to the stars. The stars. The health guru to the stars, really. He does give good information from time to time. I, I admit celery juice. I was not a believer. I am now. I've looked at Fair the enough. science. He's right about it. I admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong. Um he was he was right about cytomegalovirus and and uh, and um, uh, uh, egg whites that was recently proven so he's right about that um, but just because you know a, a broken clock is is, is right twice a day um, so it, Anthony William I, I'm just not I'm not a fan you know I'm not a fan Chase you know I'm not a fan of his <laughs> honestly um, I'm not a fan either but his first book talking about Epstein Barr virus. It's really well researched. Honestly, here's it my is. point of view. Like, you know, ENFPs, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are 
or what you know or what you could do. You just have to know the right people. Or another way of looking at it, in the absence of communication or uh, explanation, perceptions become reality. Uh, it's possible. I'm not saying this is true. But when it comes to this ENFP, Anthony William, he's just extremely well-researched with that TE child because no one can out-research an ENFP. Let's be honest. No one can. Uh, ISTJs get close, but still ENFPs can beat them with their aspiring, their ISTJ subconscious. Uh, but maybe he's like, well, maybe my opinion is not valuable enough for people to even listen to. So I'm going to like become this medium person to kind of sell the idea of all of my research. And, and then it does produce good results for people because I know I'm well researched in this area, but no one's going to listen to me and ENFP. Uh, so I have to present it uh, with this, uh, you know, charlatan related false premise that is more believable to people out there so that they do it. I mean, there's so many people debating on whether or not he's actually a medium or not, but I mean, the people that listen to him are the people TE Trickster, which are the uh, IFJs of the world. So, I mean, you know, it's... Well, you know, people like him, Dave Asprey, Elron Hubbard, Alex Jones. Alex Jones! Hey. You, know how they you know how they irk me because they make people like me have a harder job who are trying to present it from a logical standpoint and trying not to put on an act and trying to say, hey, this is who I am. Accept me for who I am. This is the truth. And they make people like me have a very tough time when they're out there putting on their salesman personas, when they're out there, you know, putting on their persona to get this, you know, and a lot of them, Anthony William, I do think he knows what he's talking about. I think he has done his research. I will give him credit on that. But a lot of those people that you have mentioned previously earlier beforehand, mm -mm. no, 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 they, they have not. They just, you know, they, they have, they pay people for that. Uh, right. and, 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 and they go on based off of that research. Um, so, and, and some of them can become very corrupted. You know, L. Ron Hubbard, one of the most horrible human beings ever walked this earth, founder of Scientology. Um, uh, Joseph Smith, uh, I have my questions with him. Uh, Alex Jones, uh, who I am myself am a, a, cons a conspiracy uh, realist, uh, but Alex Jones is not my guy. Um, so yeah, it, it, to me, a lot of those type of people. I don't know if it's you could you could probably say more if it's if it's an I if it's a um, the typology issue. Those people rub me the wrong way. Is that is that it, Chase? Is that why? I uh, I mean I think T E Nemesis can't handle T I Trickster. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's like. Do you have a thought in your head so that I can, like, trust what you're saying? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. a, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the approach that, that it is. But, I mean, that's not to say that ENFPs, like, they could really, really research an archive and they could really be effective if they just put their mind to it. Like, an ISTJ-focused ENFP is actually a miracle in many, many cases. I'm not saying any of those people were dumb. I never said that. Yeah. I just said they, majority of them conned the masses. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I got an interesting question for you, John. Classic Misdirection, who also is the person in the audience who doesn't believe you're an INTP, uh, asks, what does John think about NoFap and doesn't improve your health? <laughs> okay, um, that's an excellent question. Um, so um, it has been verified. Okay, so I'm going to get a little... I don't want to get too graphic, but I'm going to get a little graphic. But Okay, so uh, NoFap is, is no masturbation, okay? Right. Specifically uh, alluding to Mel's. Uh, but it does affect women, female hormones as well. So really, men, yeah, it does. I, okay, so I'm not no fap, but I'm not fap all the time, every day, 
three times a day either. Okay. So I'm going to talk at, at, from a male standpoint. So every time you ejaculate, you lose a couple of milligrams of zinc. Okay. The, the spark of life, um, which I you know, argue is the soul, you know, being entered. But if we're looking at it from a biological standpoint, um, it is a zinc spark. When the sperm meets the egg, as zinc, it's a zinc flash. It's an art flash. Okay. So zinc is very important for testosterone production, immune function, wound healing. Um, so when, when you're, when you're ejaculating a lot and you're losing a lot of zinc and you're not replacing it with, you know, meat and oysters, and pumpkin seeds and foods that are very high in zinc, you know, you're not eating a lot of those, then, you know, your testosterone levels start to dip. They start to go down. They start to decrease as well as there seems to be some sort of correlation between a, a, a roller coaster of testosterone with ejaculation that may not be affected so much if you're actually having sex compared to solar ma solo masturbation, which I know there's there's a there's a this, there's like a, a debate going on about that, um, but it does seem that the more the, the more a frequent ejaculation happens, especially for males the more likely it is gonna have an effect, an effect on testosterone levels. Um, so, and, but however- Like testosterone reduction? Yes, because that's all so, testosterone reduction. So the most sexually active of all the types are STP, NFJ, Quadra. So ESTPs, ISTPs, ENFJs, and INFJs. So you're saying that male STP, NFJ types need to really be paying attention to this. That's, that's basically what I'm getting from yeah, this Yeah, what you need to do is, is you need to, you know, get your zinc up, you know, get your testosterone levels up, you know, when the, you know, get proper, you know, ingest zinc in your diet, proper sources of zinc. If you can't do that, maybe supplement with what are, what are some sources and what are some good supplements? Oysters, meat, pumpkin seeds, nuts. Those are all good, so good dietary sources of zinc. Okay. Um, as far as, um, Supplements, you know, Thorn Zinc Piclinate, 50 milligrams every other day. Not zinc carnosine? Carnosine is more for stomach issues. It bonds with the stomach in and of itself and the duodenum. A lot of it doesn't get into circulation to help with testosterone production or, or zinc. So um, Zinc Piclinate, 30 milligrams. 15 milligrams. Okay. Um, and, and, of course, run every recommendation I give you uh, by your healthcare professional. Uh, but, yes, I'd recommend doing that every other day or trying to get zinc as much as you possibly can from food sources. Um, as well as to increase testosterone, uh, of course, sunlight exposure. If you have a privacy uh, fence, uh, exposing your uh, genitalia uh, for a few minutes has greatly been shown to increase testosterone production. Uh, no more than that. You don't want to get sunburned. Uh, for the women, exposing uh, your genitalia as well to the sun if you have a privacy fence. That has been shown to properly regulate progesterone and estrogen, as well as to uh, slightly increase testosterone, which is important for orgasmic potential in women. That's well, one of the main we know we know SE inferior wouldn't be caught dead doing that, but I'm sure SE tricksters probably wouldn't mind. But <laughs> uh, so you know, but yeah, so masturbation for males, there, there is one positive thing about ejaculation, and that as males, there we don't we don't have our monthly periods as as the female sex does. So we don't when when women have their periods, they're they're you know they're reducing their bonded iron, their ferritin levels. They're reducing, you know, there's some toxins that are going to be released from the from the blood. There's some hormones that are going to be released from the blood. As males, we don't have that. So the ways that we get rid, we detoxify is by our liver, uh, our bile, uh, our kidneys and our urine, uh, our digestive tract by eliminating stool, our, our, our lacrimation, our saliva, our sweat, our tears, 
um, and our ejaculation. Uh, so there are studies of, of men who don't ejaculate frequently actually leading to greater cancers of greater yeah, prostate of, like, cancer. prostate cancer yeah so isn't it isn't you know, the isn't the stat like you need to make sure your prostate is emptied at least once every 72 hours i think i think that was the stat for that i, I yeah it's uh, every every three to four days go forth stps and nfjs <laughs> um it is a good recommendation every three to four days um, you'll know it, man. I mean, I, I, I practice this. This is something that I really do practice, and you do see a difference. Now, as me as an INTP, I tend to care about sex less. However, the longer that I go without it or the longer I withheld masturbation, the more likely my testosterone is going to increase. My testosterone is usually between uh, 600 to 700. Uh, it's very good with everything that I do. Um, and in my, but it, sexual appetite is more than just physicality. There is a mental aspect to it as well. And as an ITP, it's a little bit. Well, it's also if you're getting bit. enough sleep too. You have to make yes, sure your circadian yes. rhythm is primed as well in order to be able to have very a much so because sexual there, there, appetite. Uh, I know I know someone who wrestled in college, and you know this guy too as well. I will I'll, I'll tell you who it is afterwards. Who they used to uh, go for days without sleep, and then go to a doctor and have their testosterone levels checked, and they'd be very low from lack of sleep. So that they could uh, uh, get some uh, testosterone replacement therapy and, and, to, and to greatly increase it to inflate it for wrestling. Okay, so you know, it, sleep is very important for testosterone production and for you know hormonal production with progesterone and estrogen in women. You know, men do produce progesterone and estrogen too. I bet less women produce testosterone, but they produce it less amounts too as well. Um, but yes, you know, all of those things are are, are important for proper sex hormone production. Oh, fair enough. Uh, so uh, let's see here. Yes, tan naked. That's what uh, Jonathan um, Senga um, had uh, said as well. Um, and uh, what about uh, what about fluoride in the water? And and and, and uh, how does that affect the body? And does it affect hormones? And then also like. How would how would one's hormones maybe impact someone's ability to cognitive transition to their other sides of their minds? Would it be like negative transition, positive transition? In your opinion, John, what do you think about that? Oh, okay, that's a complex question. Uh, fluoride, not so much. Uh, the four sides of the mind is. Um, I will say this. Biologically, hormones and neurotransmitters will affect a person's ability to. Uh, uh, activate their subconscious and their unconscious, and 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 in in their uh, superego, uh, and be trapped either in their ego and their superego more likely than their subconscious and unconscious. For example, um, when we take when we look at the unconscious from a biological standpoint, that is your paras your 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 your, your nervous system, your, your parasympathetic your autonomic nervous system. So with that, you have your parasympathetic nervous system and you have your sympathetic nervous system. Right. So people who have a more activation of a sympathetic nervous state and, and less of an activation of a parasympathetic nervous state tend to be primarily in their ego. They tend to be primarily more anxious. They tend to be primarily more in the moment because they have more journaling going through them. They have more journaling going through them, so they tend to be less, you know, outward thinking, less forward thinking. They, they, they more are in self-preservation um, and, and more or less about thinking about the so future, about being their SP ideal types. self. So like SP types. Yes. Okay. But no, this could happen to anybody, though. Uh, oh, anybody okay. who anybody who's dealing with this will be stuck in their ego for for defense mechanism to survive. 
Um, and they could actually, depending on the person, I guess they could be stuck in their superego too if they just end up not caring enough to do anything about their health. Right. Depending on the type. So it's tough. Like that's that's an extremely complex question. I know for me, when I was ill, the biggest thing it took me to overcome that because I was so afraid because of anxiety and gut issues and everything was that it led me to be apathetic because I was afraid because of fear because I was afraid to do anything it may make me worse and in doing so that stalled my recovery and INTPs are prone to that are they not Chase? Yeah it's true uh, the thing is is that you know when INTPs they get in their, their comfort zone and at times it's like they think that they're recovering well when the reality of the situation is they're not actually. And it's because, okay, am I valuing my comfort zone? Am I actually gonna verify my belief that I'm actually okay in this particular situation? They can actually you know, end up causing additional mistakes or failures when they're taking care of themselves, especially in a health emergency or if they're recovering from a surgery, for example. Uh, yes. They just don't know their own strength. Uh, that's, that's very typical of SE Trickster. I've also seen, I've also observed the same thing from like an SE hero as well. Um, uh, SE heroes have that issue as well, where they're, um, where they're SI, with SI in the nemesis slot, or um, as well as SE in the nemesis slot, and then also uh, the same functions in the trickster slots, they just don't know their own strength. Uh, so if you look at the optimistic uh, cognitive slots within the unconscious, basically, if you have um, S functions, uh, introverted or extroverted uh, sensing functions within the optimistic slots of your shadow, you're more prone to making these mistakes because it's like, you know, I don't know my own strength, basically. Uh, so I think that would definitely yeah. make sense. And to go to fluoride to answer the second part of the question, this I can get a little bit more depth into. Is that okay? So with fluoride it being a halogen, it doesn't interfere with the thyroid's ability to uh, to uh, soak up iodine. We just need it for uh, you know the the mineral iodine is needed for thyroid hormone hormone production. The mineral mineral selenium is needed for a thyroid hormone conversion from from the inactive T4 to the active T3. Um, so it does interfere. You know when you're when you come in contact with other members of the uh, halogen family, whether it's uh, fluorine, fluoride. Uh, bromine or bromide, uh, iodine um, or iodine, um, they, 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 inter, they inter chlorine, they interact with one another, okay? They inhibit one another. So if you don't, not, you don't get, get a lot of iodine in your diet uh, through seafood ingestion or kelp ingestion or seaweed ingestion or eating eggs or even iodized salt, which I prefer more natural salt than iodized salt, um, or strawberries, which is a good source of iodine, the thyroid gland will go, well, this fluoride ion kind of looks similar. So I'm just going to absorb this. And then when it absorbs it, it can't use it. So you start developing hypothyroidism. You develop worsening hypothyroidism. Which makes you fat, basically. So fluoride in it your may, water basically makes you fat. It may like, trigger um, Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis over time. Uh, so, you know, fluoride, and the thing is, is it's not... According to Anthony William, it can also cause your Epstein-Var virus to get to stage three and really screw you over with autoimmune disease. <laughs> it can, by hindering the immune system, because fluoride is able to... Now, you will get natural fluoride if you drink tea and, and everything, but the thing is, is it's not... When the FDA sets limits, 
in drinking water, you got to realize that the average person is getting fluoride from the water that they drink, the water that and 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 uh, the water that is sprayed on their food and grown in their food, so their food is going to absorb some amount of fluoride. The fluoride that they're getting from drinking uh, tea, um, the fluoride that might be in like oral B glide dental floss that they may be using for the oral health, their fluoride in their toothpaste. Um, so they're getting fluoride from not just one, um, not just one uh, source. They're, you know, they're not getting it just from their water. They're getting from all these other sources combined. And the FDA doesn't track any of that. They don't track of a person getting, you know, fluoride here, fluoride there, fluoride everywhere. You know, so they don't look at that. So you know, there, there are issues with fluoride. Uh, is also possibly calcifying the pineal gland, which the pineal gland does calcify over time, over age. But fluoride seems to accelerate that. Uh, within the brain which can lead to a reduction of melatonin production um and if fluoride also uh can cause histamine issues with people with histamine intolerance it seems to aggravate histamine uh, uh responses within the body so people ingest fluoride who may have uh, asthma or allergies they may, may react to fluoride more strongly than a person who doesn't so yeah i usually recommend a person uh reduce their artificial fluoride exposure you know fluoride in drinking water unless it's natural fluoride um, or fluoride, you know, or try to eat organic food as much as possible with pan or, or use the, 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 the environmental working groups, dirty dozen, a clean dozen list. Um, you know, so, you know, pretty much drink clean water, you know, and there's an argument about water. I got a blog, a water, a blog about water, um, on fix your gut water. Pretty much. I agree with Jack Cruz that for the mitochondria, it matters about purity. Uh, so I, the more pure the water, the better. Now, the main w ways that we purify water to get it to the clearest, pure state is uh, is um, uh, distillation and reverse osmosis. Now, people will say, well, that leaches minerals out of your body. And it, and, it, and it can, but if you're eating a good diet, that'll kind of buffer against that a little bit. Or if you add a little bit of mineral drops uh, to your food or some other beverages, because you want to add mineral drops directly or salt directly to water because it can mess up with its uh, exclusion zone. Um, but right. you know there are some things that you can get around that. Um, but yeah, I try to you know I would I don't recommend fluoride toothpaste. I don't use it. I haven't used it in years. I have no cavities, and no dental problems. I use alcohol toothpaste instead, natural earth paste, um, uh, lemon flavor, which has got delimonene. It doesn't have tea tree oil, so it's bentonite clay, delimonene, salt, and xylitol. Um, you know, I, I, I only fluoride I get is my what I might get a little bit when I drink tea on uh, natural fluoride or, or or when I eat food that may have have a little bit in it naturally. Um, but fluoride does cause a lot of issues uh, within the human body, um, and, and, and it's not good for our health overall to consume large amounts of it. It is not a necessary you know, uh, nutrient that our body requires for functionality. Our bones can be strengthened and our teeth can be strengthened because teeth technically aren't bone. Um, but, they, but they could be strengthened without fluoride. You know, we can strengthen them through proper vitamin K2 supplementation or ingestion. Cheese is a good source of vitamin K2. Uh, vitamin D production from the sun, uh, calcium ingestion naturally through diet sources of calcium or dairy and spinach and, and nuts, um, and, and magnesium uh, supplementation or magnesium ingestion with sources of magnesium or brown rice and avocados. Uh, doing those things to keep our bones stronger and our teeth stronger are way more important than in the ingestion of fluoride, which I believe has no biological purpose whatsoever, and I believe is a is a toxin. Fair enough. Uh, there's uh, there's some more questions surrounding things like 5G uh, EMF, uh, but uh, I got one from Taj Marie again. 
Here's a question. For INTJs, how do we find the balance between mental and physical performance? Mentally, my brain feeds off of caffeine and sugar. Physically, I do best on paleo or ketogenic diet. Any thoughts you'd like to say on that, John? And this is, and remember, an INTJ is very similar to your wife. They, so like that whole lack of self-discipline, uh, not wanting to like sleep uh, if, if she didn't have to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, they, they, ha they have similarities in that area. They just make decisions differently, right? So what would you say, uh, you know, like, I, I think it's personally that, you know, maybe their metabolism is, is different because I think regardless of your type, maybe your metabolism is, is different, but I don't know yet that yet. I'm studying, I'm studying a few sources on how to like understand metabolic type because there might actually mm -hmm. be a met like types of met metabolisms out there. And then fast that, metabolizers, slow metabolizers. Yeah. And then fast like oxidizers, slow oxidizers. I don't know enough about that. And I, I would imagine like, given that uh, INJs want to be performance powerhouses, uh, powerhouses, uh, you'd think that they'd have a similar metabolism, but I know that's not true. It's not true. I, I've noticed that I've always been trying to find like a, a, a direct link between psychological type and specific health. And like, cause I, I do believe there is a pattern, a predictable pattern, but in order to actually understand the pattern specifically, I honestly maintain that's like, okay, hey guys, maybe we're not aware of all the variables to be able to find these different health things or make these different, uh, you know, these links together to be able to actually properly study that and draw uh, conclusions, actual conclusive uh, results, you know, to be able to do that. So I'm not entirely sure how to answer Taj Marie's question. If you want to give it a crack at it, John, go for it. Um, but if not, everyone's complaining about 5G in the chat. Oh, we're gonna, we'll get to 5G. Um, as, a, as an INTJ. Or an INTP for you. <laughs> an INTP for me. But as talking from Taj Mahal's point of view. Taj Marie. Taj Marie, should I say, you have to want to do it you have to want to do it now sometimes for INTJ it requires them to almost die and even then they may not want to do it um, so you have to have the need to drive you have to force that to be able to get it done it has to be important to you um, not so much like INFJs where it's important to the people around them but to an INTJ it's, 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 it's important to them um, would you agree with that Chase? Yeah. So that you you have to be the one to want to be able to balance that, uh, because without that you're not going to get it done. You can do it. Anybody can do it. Anybody can. Most of my recommendations I'm giving you, it takes some time out of your day, but so does the bazillion times you check your phone, and the internet. So instead of doing that, maybe doing some things for your health. You know, that's all. You know, sleeping in total darkness that doesn't take any time. Right. It doesn't. Trying to get some sunlight exposure that does take some time but it's free yeah it is free um i i would say that my stress level went way down after uh grounding doing a lot more grounding as you had suggested yep. and exposing myself to sunlight that's free too just takes time just takes time that's all it does i mean it reduces stress which reduces your cortisol which overall makes you healthy anyway so uh yes. so 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 john um, I, th I think one of the topics that the audience is looking at is like, what's your thoughts on, on 5G? 
uh, and, uh, you know, uh, in general going together. Last I heard, you were against 5G's implementation, but we all know it's inevitable. So what steps could be taken? Well, I mean, I do think it's going to happen. Um, so Patrick Earthridge in the chat, great name of Earth, by the way, as an IETP, you claim that non-native EMF is perfectly safe. There's tons of studies to show that, um, that it's been around. Um, I, 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 good question to you, I have to you, Patrick, would be is um, b before modern uh, non-native EMF generation, um, what was human beings' exposures to uh, EMF? You know, the uh, natural, uh, maybe solar radiation, the natural um, exposure that one would get uh, from the earth, from the Schumann resonance, um, lightning strikes. Um, that's really about it. It wouldn't be everywhere. You know, you wouldn't walk into a, um, you wouldn't walk into a convention center with everyone holding cell phones, peeing off against um, uh, cell phone towers and, and a lot of that electromagnetic interference. So you're gonna claim that it has no effect on health because it's been studied um, extensively and that it seems to be perfectly safe that we would know so far with now, you know. I disagree, I, 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 I disagree on that. Um, there are studies of non-native EMF um, causing oxidative stress, of, of, of affecting the mitochondria, of affecting our cells. Um, there's even, uh, there are limited human studies. I do want more, um, obviously, uh, but there are limited human studies of it affecting testosterone, for example. I've written about it extensively in the next book. Um, it, it, it affects our mitochondria, increases oxidative stress. Um, it causes calcium influx, which triggers oxidative stress within the mitochondria, exposure to uh, non-native um, EMF. So now, am I going to be alarmist and say that it's going to end mankind like Sophia Smallstorm? No, it's not. Mankind will adapt. Will it make people sicker? Probably, yes. Um, and another question, again, Tim, as well is, is what about the people who live right next to cell phone towers who developed cancer? Was it was it magic? Did they develop cancer? Was it just lottery? Uh, you know, it, you know, it's, you, the, these these signals are not nothing's a hundred percent safe. Nothing, nothing. Not even drinking water is a hundred percent safe. You could die from water intoxication. All right, so you, you can't say that something is a hundred percent safe. You just can't do that. Now you could argue, is non-native EMF exposure 90% safe? Is it 10% safe? Is it 5% safe? That's argumentative. You could argument of how much damage it does, why it affects some people more strongly than others. There could be epigenetic reasons to that. There could be health reasons to that. Maybe someone's mitochondrial function is stronger. That's why non-native EMF affects them uh, less often. Um, but you know, I'm no alarmist that thinks that 5G is gonna end the world, okay? But I will say, however, that 5G and you know using gig Wi-Fi and in, in, increasing more signals that are going on and intensity of signals and everything that will lead to health problems, and the right. health problems will become more widespread. Um, they already are now. So, um, but but hold on, like, where's 5G going to be more than anywhere? It's obviously going to be in people's homes between 5G phones and 5G modems and 5G wireless networks with all that EMF, correct? More repeaters. Yeah, there'll be more repeaters because the repeaters will be uh, outside of your house every three to four houses instead of being directly from a cell phone tower like a cell phone. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I do like, okay, so how I look at non-native EMF is this? Yes, I have a cell phone. It's right here, I have a cell phone, I use it, okay? I use it like everybody else does. I have a case, 
that does work. I've measured it with an EMF meter. It does block it on the front. So when I put it in my pocket, uh, for you know, and I, I, it's not you know beaming as much. I guess beaming is right where it's not transmitting as much non-native EMF frequencies, you know, and in, into my field and frequencies into into my testicles and into my body. Okay, so it's about limiting it. We live in we live in a technological society. It's not going to stop any day now. Okay. So it's about trying to protect yourself, turning your Wi-Fi off at night, maybe not using Wi-Fi, maybe, um, maybe uh, hardwiring everything if possible, uh, maybe turning off your data when you're not using it, maybe putting your phone in airplane mode when you don't need to use it, you know, all, all those, you know, limiting it, you know, maybe right. uh, doing a cell phone case to block its exposure to your leg, maybe using air tube headsets so it's, you know, it stops here, it doesn't go right. um, affecting your ears or your brain. It's about reducing the effects of that. So statistically, introverted intuitive types, INTPs, INFPs, INTJs, INFJs, who are the four types least likely to leave their home, especially in the digital age of the internet, do you think that these types are more at risk of the risks that 5G poses than the other types? Maybe not, no, because those people that are going out in society, they're, they're, they're being enlarged. Like, imagine if you stay in your own home compared to living in an apartment building or compared to being downtown Times Square and your exposure to all these uh, frequencies and fields. You know, you, you tell me, you know, I, I think actually a person who stays in their home is probably gonna be a little bit better off <laughs> than being downtown Times Square. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, I, 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 the thing is, is it's about limiting exposure and the best that you can do about it. You know, I, I don't expect the people to be 100% perfect unless they're very sensitive to non-native EMF. Um, but it's it's something that I would, you know, recommend that people reduce their exposure as much as possible because it does have a biological effect. Now, do we know 100% how quantitative that biological effect is? Some people at like Jack Cruz would argue that's completely detrimental and it will kill you over time. I say probably not good to bathe yourself with them we're already being bathed to some degree anyway so you should limit your exposure as much as possible but i understand people's need and use for them because i use them too that's fair all. enough okay uh well that's that's great um wow there's like a there's been a ton of questions and discussion coming in uh specific to this uh so as an intp john uh, I wanted to ask you, since you're an autodidact, what, because I often get INTPs who are complaining about their, uh, like not knowing what they want to do for a career, right? And this has basically become your career, ultimately. How, what drove you to actually go in this direction for a career choice? Because most INTPs out there are completely unmotivated. So what motivated you to learn about uh, microbiology and uh, health and wellness and uh, genetics and uh, each of these uh, and digestive health, uh, you know, hormones, virology, uh, learning about bacteria, et cetera, et cetera. What drove you to bring you to this point as an INTP uh, to choose this as a career, basically, even though you technically didn't go to school uh, for it? Okay. So, um, I grew up, my grandfather was a pharmacist and I grew up believing only in conventional medicine. 
I thought natural medicine was bullcrap. And um, I saw it fail myself. I saw it fail my mother, who died from systemic complications of systemic lupus. Um, I saw my father die from hepatitis C. I originally had a uh, full-paid scholarship to the University of Charlotte for computer programming. Uh, that was not what God uh, chose my path to be. Uh, so what happened, I guess, was is um, I had a mental breakdown because my father died around that time. Uh, I came home, and I met my wife, my INFJ wife. And uh, I just did odd jobs. You know, until then, I went back to school. I was studying biology. I was actually going to become a nurse. And that fell through because I got sick. I became sick um, uh, uh, around the time uh, my uh, first son, Holden, was born, uh, back around 2009. I developed an H. pylori infection that I did not know at the time that caused me to develop gastritis, as well as I was taking the um, anti-hypertensive drug, the ACE inhibitor lisinopril, which depletes zinc, which, which uh, caused issues with my immune system, which made me prone to um, uh, ha having um, developed you know, the H. pylori dysbiosis, as well as... Um, uh, it reducing the functionality of my immune system. And uh, since ACE inhibitors interfere with aldosterone, it led me to have adrenal function issues as well. So I became very chronically ill. I developed silent reflux. I developed OCD that I did not have previously. Yes, I am an INTP, and yes, I do suffer from some uh, uh, amount of uh, neuroticism, but this was exaggerated. Um, even when my appendix burst as a teenager and I almost died from that, I went a week before I had it removed. And I had, was in the hospital for a month. Uh, I went down to 105 pounds. I looked like a prison camp victim. Uh, looked like you know I was going to die. Uh, it did not make me as sick as mentally as the H. pylori did, where it developed OCD and anxiety disorder and panic disorder that I had not had previously beforehand. Yeah, I was always a little bit neurotic, but it was different. Um, so when I became ill, none of the doctors were helping me. They they couldn't give me any answers, and I was like, well, darn. And around that time, a couple of, around that time, about a year before all this happened, I started listening to Alex Jones. And Alex Jones had Dr. Joel Wallach on, uh, who started talking about natural health, and I really started. To think I was like, well, maybe if I'm wrong about 9 you know, the conventional narrative about 9 11 because I was raised as a neo conservative, then maybe the health thing, maybe there might be something to this alternative health. Okay, so I started looking into it and then I started going, wow, you know, this is actually really helping a lot of people and a lot of this is actually somewhat scientifically based. There's studies and everything, there's even more studies now. Um, there is a lot of sci pseudo scientific stuff with, with, with um, the natural health too, as well. Um, and I do call, you know, I my blog and my channel. Chase, you know, I do call out when I find something's not based in science. Uh, even though I don't think science is the be, all, be all in all either, I think anecdotal evidence is important too. Um, but but um, so I, I, I tried to heal myself first. And um, then later, my son Abel was born with extremely rare medical congestion, congenital myopathy with excess muscle spindles. He was six in the world born with it. Uh, we thought we were going to die. Uh, so I started researching. Well, I thought he was going to die. So, so I started researching his condition. Um, he. Um, he outlived all of their children with this condition. He sadly passed away at the age of three, actually separate from his con condition. It's a long story. I, I, I'll be here for 15, 20 minutes telling it tonight. Um, it's in my book. Um, but, you know, I am actually listed on his medical paper as an expert in, in his condition and as an author on the paper. And I have never, I've never gone to medical school, but I am a foremost expert on my son's condition. So that was one reason. So I guess a short answer why I turned it into a business was because I met a mutual friend of ours, Titus Wilson, I could talk about this because he's talked about it on my YouTube channel. Um, that uh, he, we, we, I listened to uh, Bulletproof Dave Asprey on Joe Rogan and I was like, hey, Dave is, you know, if I really did, yeah, you really did use to respect and really did used to like Dave Asprey. He did a lot of research on his I own. He was a good advocate at that time. I did. Um, 
So, and of course, later, you know, you can talk and debate it now. But um, so at that time, I did have much respect for him. Uh, so, you know, listening to him, you know, I went to both reforms, and that's when we met Titus, and I started helping Titus with his own health issues. And his sister, uh, who was been in a, in a, out of a hospital, she has a, a condition that I won't get too much in detail with, um, that would she be sick all the time. And so far, I've kept her alive and well. And though he tells me that I'm the reason why, as an INTP, I don't, I don't like praise like that. It makes me feel kind of bashful, you know, but he'll say it, you know, and he's an ENTJ. He is my best friend, and he you know counterbalances me on that and he's like yeah it's because of you so he's the business behind fix your guy he was the one that got me started with this uh from a business standpoint from coaching and writing blogs and writing books and everything that that was he was the one who said i needed to do this for the good of humanity get my research out there and i said you know what you're 100 percent right i want to help people i don't want people to be ill i know what it is to lo lose loved ones to be ill i know what it is to be ill myself i wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy so I need to get my knowledge out there that I know to try to do my best to help people um, get better because you know there is a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of disinformation out there, and, I've, and I'm not and I'm not always right. I've, I've admitted, changed my stances on many things as the research has shown itself. Um, colostrum being one, which I used to not think had any benefit, but now the research has shown that it is, and I've been using it. And it does have benefit, you know, and that's the most important thing. We try to find a doctor. We try to find a health care professional. We try to find a health coach. We need to find a person who will A, admit when they are wrong, B, do their best to research their condition or research what is wrong with a person, even if they don't initially know what's wrong or after time, they can't figure out what's wrong. C, is constantly checking PubMed. And D, reads medication inserts before they prescribe said drug or said vaccination. If your doctor's not read the drug insert and they don't know the side effects associated with the medication they're prescribing you and the mechanism of action of the medication prescribing you, then run because they are not the doctor that you do not want. My grandfather's a pharmacist. He used to say doctors would prescribe tons of, of medications to interact with each other. And it was up to the pharmacists and the nurses to actually catch those drug interactions. So doctors are very good at diagnosing. They're very bad at prescribing, very bad at prescribing. So, okay, I'll take that back. Doctors are pretty good at diagnosing. <laughs> um, but so I, I, have, I do have respect for doctors. You know, so I've met some good ones. I have more respect for actual nurses uh, the doctors, in my opinion, those are the true warriors out there in the battlefields uh, trying to help people. Um, and there are good doctors. I have met quite a few. There was a good doctor with Abel, um, Dr. Uh, Fan, uh, who had a, du a dual doctorate in uh, gen genetics and um, uh, neurology. Uh, she was his biggest critic at the beginning. At the, at the end, she became her his biggest advocate. So much so that she would do it. She said she'd do anything to get me a full paid scholarship to the University of Chapel Hill. I figured I could do better fighting with people, you know, helping with people and fighting the system outside of it than, than inside of it. Um, so that is why I, I do all this. I do all this because I know what it is to be ill. I've lost people to, to, to illness and sickness. And, and, I, and I, I don't want that. I don't want that upon anybody. It's heartbreaking. You know, it's heartbreaking to me when someone loses a family member who they love to something that, that could have easily uh, been dealt with if, if the person had more knowledge uh, to be able to do so. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's nice to know that you went in that direction. So basically what you're saying is as an INTP, it's not something that you would have chosen on your own. It's more of just something that was foisted upon you given the demands at the time because you wanted to help people, especially help your son 
uh, and also help you with your own situation, with your own health, making you uncomfortable as well. Uh, would that be a fair statement? Yes. It was not something that I would have done on my own. Um, I would have um, instead uh, probably have ended up computer programming. But again, that wasn't what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to be a researcher of conspiracy. I was supposed to be a researcher of health. I was supposed to bring what I hope is the objective truth out to the public and, and, to, and to, 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 to do so. And, and, and what I see fit and use my logic for that instead of using it for uh, other jobs that would seek suit an INTP, uh, like myself, you know, an engineer, um, a computer programmer, uh, those jobs would more suit my type. Um, but, you know, I do, you know, there were, I, I, would you say Dr. Gregory House was an INTP in, in, his, in his house and his, his I could, I could, he's definitely an NTP, that's for sure. Whether or not he was an INTP or an ENTP is debatable, but I'm, even though I have claimed ENTP in the past, the more I think about it, because uh, I changed his writing depending on episode to episode, I'm probably likely end up leaning towards INTP for Dr. Gregory House, for sure. I think he was more of an ENTP before his accident and INTP afterwards. Fair um, enough. I think, I think addiction for forced him to become more introverted. Um, but I do look at it from that way where when I, have, when I, when I try to coach people, um, from an ESFJ, I do try to be a supporter, but also from an INTP, I look at it as a puzzle to solve. Yeah. And that's how House looked at it too. So, you know, I, 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 I will, I will say that hopefully I have better bets in manner than House does, <laughs> and that might be the ESFJ. Um, but you know, it, it's 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 difficult. You know, it's it's. It's something that I wasn't definitely, if you would have asked me 15 years ago or when I was a child, what this is what I was gonna do with my life, no. But I'm very grateful and very appreciative that this is what I get to do with my life. And I wake up every day happy that I'm able to help people. Uh, definitely, I mean, that's that's one of the dreams of FE Inferior for INTPs and being able to uh, get to that standpoint for sure. So anyway, uh, we're coming up on 90 minutes here of this show and we still have to get through our how to type uh, live stream uh, later this evening, um, which will be uh, as soon as I uh, take a quick break here. Uh, so uh, so with that being said, uh, thank you John for coming tonight. It's really appreciating uh, and I just, uh, I wanted you to be a guest to be like, hey, you know, I'm an INTP, I'm a successful INTP, here's how I got to where I came from, here's some of the work that I do, here's some recommendations for my type and some of the other types. Uh, I think overall it was definitely a very useful and helpful uh, helpful lecture system, so, um, uh, or a uh, interview, I guess, because I'm not the best at interviewing people, like, I'll definitely- No, you it. did good, you did good, <laughs> brother. Uh, one last thing, if you don't mind me saying, just for, you know, for the sake of INTPs out there, uh, don't fall prey to your apathy. Uh, I, I do from time to time, but I always fight against it because I try to help people and I try to learn more information. So, you know, try to be a benefit to society. Try to go out and do something and benefit your fellow, fellow man. Don't become apathetic and locked up in your own, especially young INTPs. Don't become, you know, uh, hikikimoris in, in like Japanese culture and being you know, locked up in your room and no one ever sees you and, and you're just playing video games all day and, 
and, and re, you know reading and stuff like that don't 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 do that you know don't become apathetic to society try your best to help improve society um and, and try to come out of your shell you know try to be more uh more uh in your subconscious and more in your unconscious you know try to, to be the leader when you have to be and try to be the supporter that you want to be exactly. and thank you for having me on chase longtime fan and friend of csj yeah. and the work that you do uh you guys can find me at fixyourgut.com fix your gut on youtube and uh thanks thanks as always chase all right cool i'll see you uh see you later john you have a good night and folks uh we'll be back uh to do our how to type stream this evening so stick around uh, that will be uh, going up momentarily. So uh, we'll see you then. Uh, otherwise, uh, have a good night, John, and uh, see you next time.